Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to our live stream. Today we're going to be doing a studio hangout for artists. And if you want to learn how to turn your artistic weakness into your strength, definitely check out artprof.org where we have lots of free resources, tutorials, critiques, art dares, pro development, and all that cool stuff. So Kat, what are you going to be working on today? Today I will be writing down some text to ink. So I've got my little bottle of ink here. I'll fill it up here and I've got my nib brush to ink with. And hopefully I'll have enough time to write out this alphabet also in ink. So I want to make my own type later. And by the way, everybody, if you want links to the art supplies that Kat is using, you can find those in the YouTube video description below. And so it's not confusing. I am the moderator today, so I'm off the hook. I don't have to make any artwork. So Jordan and Kat are gonna be doing their studio work, but I am going to be doing comments and chatting with all of you. What are you doing today, Jordan? Um, I have had a character or a creature in mind for one of my projects and it happens to be a bunny, but I never designed them. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna sit and draw bunnies all day and I'm just gonna figure out if one of them will work <laughs> for what I'm what I'm planning. So yeah, the goal is to find something very cute. <laughs> is the bunny a sidekick or a pet? Yeah, he's a pet character um, for uh, this guy right here. Um, oh. <laughs> so I always thought it'd be really funny to um, to have you know kind of this counterpart like this guy who looks really grumpy just having the cutest bunny as a pet like there's just something about it that i think is fun so uh i'm gonna try it out <laughs> by the way everybody we would love it for you to work on your own personal artwork with us while we're on the live stream and then afterwards kat and jordan will be in the discord and you can share your personal artwork with us in post live streams and if you are working, tell us right now in the chat, what are you working on? What media are you using? So fun to see all the different projects that people have going on. Slutnir says, Jordan is hopping mad. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Slutnir. We love your puns. That That's the first pun of Art Prof for 20. 22. Wait, or at least for me. Maybe there was one on the last stream that I missed. No, this is the first one. I think there was. Yeah, this is the All first right. one. <laughs> Slepnir deserves a trophy for that. <laughs> James Marks is saying, any sculptors in the house? Well, I'm a sculptor, but I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I don't know if that counts. I've done sculpture, but I'm not a sculptor. If that, if that means anything. <laughs> Sortenly's asking, what's the guy with the funky hair named Jordan? Uh, this guy's name is Ishnu. Uh, I-S-H-N-U. So, yeah. That's him. And the rabbit, uh, I think his name is going to be Zap. I think that's the name that my writer and I agreed on. <laughs> so, Kat, are you designing your own font? Yeah, because actually writing type in comics is really time consuming and I don't want to do it anymore. So what I'm going to do is just scan my own handwriting and then use this application online called Calligrapher. 
um, and create my own font. So hopefully I can do that, download it into Photoshop or Procreate and just type instead of having to draw out the words. So that website does that for free after you scan in the images? Right, so to a certain point, they only let you have 75 characters for free, but anything beyond that you have to pay. And then what do you get, like a font file? Yeah, a font file. I don't remember the font file, you know, the root of it. But yes, it, it should be a file that is downloadable to Procreate and to Photoshop. That is super awesome. I had no idea there was a site like that. How did you find it, Kat? I found it on Twitter. I bookmarked it many months ago. And just a few days ago, I pulled it back up so that I was able to do this on the Studio Hangout. Jordan, Emma is asking, does the guy also have a funny voice he talks to his bunny in? <laughs> you know, just because you said that, yes. <laughs> now, now, I don't know what that voice sounds like, but uh, if you have ideas, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all ears. Uh, I don't know what the funny voice would be. No. See, it's, it's, I haven't like written or anything that where the two characters have interacted just yet, but I had the idea. So yeah, I don't know what it's going to be. I want to say thank you to 10,000 Crows. Thank you so much for the super sticker. We greatly appreciate any support you can provide us because we need it to keep ArtProf up and running and 100% free and available for everybody. So Neil is asking, Kat, have you ever spilled ink on a piece that you're working on? Uh, not totally spilled, but I splattered ink on my drawings, yes. And in which case I just cry. And then I use white gouache to erase out the mistakes. <laughs> but okay. as you can see from this, I actually taped down my little ink well. So hopefully it will, won't spill. <laughs> That's so clever. That you tape it down. I, I would have totally been the person to spill it all on my thing and turn it into a Rorschach piece all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I got this tip from a teacher in art school. His name is R. Kikuo Johnson. He actually came out with a book recently called No One Else. Y'all should check out that graphic novel. It's really well written. Hey, Kikuo. He was so great. He was a great Oh, guy. did you have Kikuo as a teacher? Mm-hmm. Once in... um. My freshman year at RISD, I did a, um, the comic course for Winter Session, and he was awesome. I still like remember his lecture on like body language versus like facial expressions, like when you're zooming in and out. That thing stuck in my mind forever. It was so oh, that's crazy! I, I took I the didn't same know class. You took that class? I know you took that, Jordan. Yeah, it was right after your class, actually, Clara. Because oh, <laughs> so I, cool. I, I needed a breather. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Kikuo pushes you pretty hard, too. So, <laughs> yeah, but he's nice. <laughs> Crispy Paintbrush says Question for Jordan Do you know of any good drawing tablets you can set up with an iPad? Of course, I love drawing on the screen, but sometimes it's just not realistic. I have never heard of someone using a drawing tablet that's not the iPad, like trying to connect the two. 
Um, I don't think you would be able to do that because the way it's connected is either like HDMI or um, like a USB, and you can't really plug that into an iPad. So, yeah, you might need to get a laptop or a, or a PC or something like that. Tolly's asking, Jordan, is the Afro Shaman part of your personal art project? Uh, yes, yes, he is. He's um, uh, he's my old wise man, basically. Here's the center. Um, yeah, he's my old wise man figure. He's um, many, many decades slash centuries old, depending, <laughs> depending on who he's talking to. And uh, yeah, I just, I did this design in like, like 10 hours or something. It was really quick, but everyone seemed to really like it. So I just kind of stuck with it. It's a little fun. Hey, Kat, how often do you take breaks when you're inking? That just looks like it would hurt after like 10 minutes. <laughs> I think, well, it depends on what you count as a break. If it's just a quick social media break, maybe once every hour or two. But if it's a full-on get up, get tea, stretch kind of break, then maybe every meal, like lunchtime <laughs> or dinner time. Because <laughs> honestly, when I ink, I get into the zone and it's really hard for me to stop once I'm in the zone. What's also great about inking is that I can't be distracted. The ink will dry. And also the ink is wet. It's like a very volatile medium that if I am distracted and I check social media, well, then I can't really ink anymore. So when I ink, I just full on ink for hours. So you just totally shut down and just go into inking mode? Yeah. I mean, I'm really slow right now because I'm just starting. And also curves are really hard to ink for me. But the more I do this, the faster I'll get. Hey, hey, Kat, just out of curiosity, have you ever been so in the zone that you, like, forgot to eat or something? Like, Oh, something? yeah. <laughs> forget to eat, forget to drink water, forget to pee. If you don't drink water, you don't need to pee. <laughs> so, this is where you insert the meme of the guy going, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like being in the zone because... It's almost like you get to step outside of your life for a few hours. And I don't feel like there are a lot of activities I do now where I can do that. Just shut down and focus on one thing. Hmm. Have you have you seen the movie Soul, Clara? No, I haven't. Is it good? It's good, but something you said just reminded me of it. Because um, basically the whole movie is about this jazz musician who's um, going through this sort of midlife crisis and there's something in the whole psychological spectrum where it's the zone where when you're in the zone it's like all ethereal and you get like these purple like clouds that come above you and stuff and everything's like flowing and it's like it's just really really nice it just reminds me of that well I don't ever see purple clouds but I do get in the zone <laughs> sure that might be too much to ask pretty cool though Tolly says, for Jordan, is the pet rabbit a guide for the shaman for rituals and ceremonies? Shaman. Oh. Shaman, sorry. <laughs> that was really bothering you, huh, Kat? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I just didn't want, like, Claire to say that a third time eventually and not have anybody, you know, say anything, right? Because then that's on us, right? You're, you're protecting me from, yeah. from the trolls? <laughs> No, uh, no, to answer your question, though, um, 
he's he's a type of guy, but I don't know if it's for like rituals and ceremonies. It's more, um, how do I put it? He he's like he's like the equivalent of a dog in in a sense, like just kind of that that best friend um, character. Well, who knows? I might change it up based on your suggestion. I actually rather enjoy you guys putting in your ideas in here because it's giving me something to think about. Manette is saying, when going from realistic drawing to more quote cartoony, how do you determine what details to keep or not? Like with the rabbit, how do you take it from realistic to cartoon? Hope that makes sense. Well, Kat, how do you go about doing that? Because I know often you will look at a photo of a fish. How do you go from that to a cartoon of a fish? What I would do is draw it multiple times. I add and subtract different kinds of things. And eventually I will get the formula that works. The cartoon formula of, of oh, I need a specific fin shape, a specific body silhouette and a specific eye or something. And that is a good caricature or cartoon of that fish. But the key here is that I mix and match. I do sketches beforehand. I research, I try things out. And then eventually you'll get the right cartoon for whatever you're trying to cartoon. Well, so Jordan, with your rabbit right now, are there particular features that you wanted to highlight in the cartoon version? I think Jordan froze. I'll oh, maybe Jordan can't hear you. Can you hear me, Jordan? I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard you ask the beginning of the question, but the end I didn't hear. Say okay. Again, please. Well, I'm just wondering, looking at your rabbit drawings right now, are there certain features that you wanted to accentuate in the cartoon? Uh, yeah. So actually what I did before I even uh, started this session today is I got a bunch of references of actual rabbits um, and bunnies. And then I took a bunch of reference for like cartoons and stuff that I thought was cute. And so I'm sort of mixing and matching and experimenting to see what I like. So for example, this bunny at the top, it's a little too realistic and I'll find it as cute. So I'm saying, okay, maybe if I made the shapes more round, maybe if I made his face um, or his snout like a little shorter, like little things like that, um, are kind of what I'm experimenting with right now. And Manette is following up, so it's like thumbnails. Do you think that's about it, Cal? Yeah, I mean, thumbnails are just planned sketches for something bigger, right? Yeah, that's why. Apple Antiques, thank you so much for the super sticker. We so much appreciate any support that you can all give because we've got expenses. We are 100% free, but running the platform certainly is not. Bethany says, what type of drawing is best for new artists to practice daily to see improvement? I think, Bethany, drawing from life. I just don't think people draw from life enough because photographs are just so easy to access. I mean, in the olden days, there was no Google images. Like if you wanted to find a picture, at least when I was in art school, you had to go to the picture collection and go through all these folders of photos. But now with the internet, it's just so easy to draw off of a photo. And I just think it's a bummer that people don't draw from life very much. What's your take, Kat? I agree. I mean, just go back to the basics and the very basics of drawing. 
from way back in time too is just drawing from life observational drawing drawing the place you live in things you see every day how to translate that into a drawing i think that is the best exercise you could start out with and i got why people don't want to draw from life it's hard it's way harder than drawing from a photo and it's not as convenient and people say, well, I don't want to draw that because it might move. And I think maybe it's good that it's not as stable as a photo because then it becomes very much a reaction to the scene. And maybe that lack of control is a good thing. I mean, Jordan, do you see that? That people say, well, I don't want to do that because it's too much work. You, you know, um, I actually was leading a, a figure drawing workshop one time and this guy didn't draw anything for the entire three hour session because he said the model was moving too fast. So he didn't even try. And um, I, I really think that just comes down to, you know, fear. And um, when you're, when you're forced with a live, forced to draw a live model or something right in front of you, there's no escaping it. There's no 3d model. There's no, um, you know, color correction. That's going to say that you have to rely on your own skill and your intuition. Um, and I think it's really valuable to, do, to develop that. Maria says, anyone in here gets kind of mad that the more you want to draw, the more you get, quote, stuck. I'm sick and my brain is tired, but I really want to draw because it relaxes me. Not happening, though. I mean, when I'm sick, I can't do anything. <laughs> I just, like, put on a Hugh Jackman movie and sit back <laughs> for the next couple days. It relaxes me, but it's not the type of thing where I can just vegetate because it, it does take a degree of focus. And I can't do that when I'm trying to just like totally turn off. I understand that it's frustrating because you're like, oh, I really, really want to draw. But then it's like you can't do it. I think sometimes you have to just accept you're just not going to draw that day. Like I'll do that. Like I had yesterday, I was like, I totally need to work on this drawing. And I just did it. But I can't hold that against myself for the rest of the week. And Kat, I don't know about you, but one of my New Year's resolutions is to not beat myself up so much. How about you? My New Year's resolution is the opposite. I mean, normally I tell people that you can't force yourself to draw all the time, but you still need a, de you'd still need a degree of diligence. <laughs> and I think especially, I mean, it's hard. We're living in pandemic times too. Nothing now, nothing nowadays is going to be easy and you do have to allow yourself to have breaks. But I think there are two things that are driving me to actually draw more. First is that I do have some big projects coming up. So I have something set in stone that I can aim for, you know, in this nebulous world of creativity. What do I do? Well, I can do this project, right? The second thing is that I try not to tell myself to be perfect all the time because sort of like what Jordan said about that guy who wouldn't figure draw because the person was moving around too much, like perfection is not possible. But if you're aiming for perfection all the time, that means you're just not going to draw. <laughs> so it's better to create something stupid and bad and not, you know, not your best than to not create at all. It's all about lowering your standards, everybody. <laughs> Don't try to make a good drawing. Just make something, like anything, no matter how crummy it is. And sometimes that can feel good. I know that sounds weird, but Jordan, have you ever had a drawing session and it didn't go well, but you're like, but I got to draw. 
Uh, about 80% of the time that happens to me. Uh, <laughs> um, I think most of the drawings that I do, I don't know if I would consider them successful by by any means. I think they look a lot better than they used to because my skills have improved, but I'm not always happy. You, you see it on the live streams here all the time. If you were to go back, there's plenty of streams where I've been like, yeah, this didn't turn out well. Oh, well, go, <laughs> I'll go for do better on the next one. So, yeah. Comcuke says, drawing from life when we had models in class was so much easier for me because I can see it better. Well, that's my problem with using photos as a reference. It's just an inherently flawed experience because you're working with probably half the visual information that you would be getting if you saw something from life. Like one thing I really don't like is when I'm using a reference photo of somebody's face and let's say there's dramatic lighting and shadow now in the photo, the shadow is going to look really flat. And I've seen photos where the shadow just looks like somebody colored in black. But then in real life, if I look at somebody and their shadows, you see so much. You see colors, you see shapes, and all of that doesn't happen when you draw from a photo. Now that said, drawing from photos is fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that it's a different experience. Mary Sanchez says, how can you structure your time to take time for drawing? I suffer bad ADHD and time blindness. By the time I'm done with my daily stuff, it's already nighttime. Any tips, Kat? Try not to aim so high in terms of how long you draw. Like if you were to section off two hours of drawing, I already think that's quite long. That's I would need a break in between two hours even. So maybe when you're waiting for spaghetti to boil or something in that five minute time just draw something just put your pen to the paper and scribble something that counts as drawing <laughs> mary another thing is just because you spent longer on something it doesn't mean it's better because i know people who can sit and paint for six hours straight i cannot do that i work better in little spurts where i'll like draw for 45 minutes and then take a break and then draw for 10. Like I don't do long stretches of time. And some people might think, oh, well, you just are not very focused. I'm like, no, that's just my work rhythm. Jordan, do you do better in short spurts or do you like the longer sessions? I naturally gravitate towards long sessions, but I think it's kind of like what Kat said earlier. And I just forget how much time has passed. Like, um, like I will easily spend four or five hours doing something and I'll look up and be like, oh shoot you know, stomach's growling or, oh snap, sun went down or whatever. Um, but as far as the question, one thing that I um, learned about recently is like a lot of really successful people, like some of the billionaires and stuff, some they'll exercise early in the morning to get that out the way because they know it's supposed to be part of their daily routine. Um, but because they get so busy, they don't always have the same time to do it later on. So it could be something where you start drawing early in the morning or when you first wake up and just give yourself 30 minutes and section that off and then go on with the rest of your day. Or sometimes you can associate a certain activity with a time of day. For example, I do my social media stuff when I eat breakfast. That's just my time. And then I don't look at it the rest of the day because it's just too distracting. And so I know, okay, that's when that's gonna get done. And I know some people who say, oh, my drawing time is my lunch break. Just for 30 minutes, I'll just sketch really casually. So sometimes putting it in a really concrete time of day can be very helpful. 
Shaw Ifra says, how to make a choice when starting a graphic novel or comic, which part of the story should have visual panels? That's a question for you, Kat. Which part of the story should have visual panels? Hmm. I guess rather than framing it as starting a graphic novel, your question is more like, when do I portray something visually versus when should I write it out in dialogue? And I think that however however you plan your story really depends on you some people start with just a written script right other people start with thumbnails i'm a person who starts with thumbnails right and through that process you can start hashing out what important information needs to be said and what information could just be shown visually i think the power of comics is that sometimes it is very very silent sometimes you can just have no dialogue at all and portray an entire story through visuals but that really depends on the kind of story you want to tell. It also depends on what sort of storyteller you are, whatever your strength, strengths are. I find a lot of my own stories gravitate towards a narrator who has nothing to do with the story narrating the story. <laughs> I just find that's a storytelling technique that works for me. And I guess the more you make stories, the more you'll find your strengths. You'll also find things you will need to work on. So... I guess my short answer to that is you could do a script, you could do a thumbnail, whichever way it works, you just got to start in that way. And then eventually, I guess the flow of the story will come to you. You'll realize what will be more, impor more important to portray in word or through image. I hope that answered the question. Sometimes, often there are things we want to be able to plan, but that you really just can't. You just have to sit down and do it a lot. And then through that process, whatever it is you're trying to do will emerge. Because I have a lot of people, for example, in the Discord, they'll say, well, I'm thinking about this painting and will it work if I do this type of background and I add this figure? And I say, well, I don't know. You just have to try it. <laughs> like sometimes it's that straightforward as much as we like to plan. And I'm a planner. So trust me, if it can be planned, I will. Jennifer says, what about, quote, live drawing over Zoom? I've seen that being done lately. I'm not a fan because I think that I worry about the concerns for the model that they haven't probably signed any type of release for the use of virtual teaching. I don't know. Maybe schools have something worked out. I sort of suspect they don't because a lot of this was very last minute. That worries me. And then the second thing that worries me is that how could the model possibly have good lighting and a good webcam? There's just no way that they would or should be expected to have that type of equipment. I would much rather work from well-shot reference photos than a live model over Zoom. I, I just don't think there are any advantages to that. I've, I've actually led a workshop that was like that. Um, and I will agree with Clara, it's very challenging. Um, I had to spend an hour with them figuring out the lighting setup um, for how the model, and this was a professional like set, it wasn't just you know someone who didn't know what they were doing. It took us an hour to figure out the lighting. The quality of the camera wasn't that strong. Um, and trying to guide people like that is is challenging. Um, and so, yeah, I would much rather work from a photo that was crisp, clear, you know, simple, and, um, and just move it, leave, leave it at that. 
Well, even something like the camera angle can totally mess it up. If you're doing a figure drawing session and the camera angle is bad, you can end up with a really wonky looking figure just because the camera angle's strange. I mean, it's hard to light a figure in real life. Like I used to spend a good 20 minutes lighting the models that I had in my classes at RISD. And I cannot imagine trying to do that over Zoom because working with the models, I'd say, oh, can you do this? And how about we try this? And I just think that it's more trouble than it's really worth. Tali says, how can you make drawing from life fun and enjoyable and not as hard to do? Thoughts, Kat? Just attempt it and not even think about whether you're making a good drawing or not. Also try to make it a fun event. Do it with friends, do it in a location that you think is fun. Do you like shopping? Go to a shopping mall, <laughs> draw, draw the shoppers or something like that. And yeah, I, I'd say that's it. Just try to try to entice yourself to do it. Don't think about it like, oh, I have to go sit in a solitary room and just draw this, I don't know, Rodin sculpture, <laughs> right? That doesn't sound very fun. Do it with friends, make it a fun event. I mean, I think Tali, it's a mindset issue because if you decide in advance, oh, drawing from life, it's so hard, it's not fun, of course it's not going to be fun. You've already decided it's not fun. <laughs> so you have to shift your thinking and say, okay, well, if I don't think this is fun, how can I make it fun? Because there are ways to do it. You just have to be willing. Because Jordan, I'm sure you've had to do stuff that wasn't your cup of tea, but you have to find a way to get yourself to do it. Yeah, the easiest way for me is to play some really good music or play something funny that I find enjoyable. Um, so sometimes I'll have a stand-up comedy show while I'm drawing or um i'll play like some 70s disco era music that just makes me want to dance or something so like anything like that will work and, and when i was doing figure drawing workshops in person that's what we would do we would play music really loud we would joke with the model we would joke with each other um you, you know walk around take breaks show each other new spider-man trailers all that cool stuff you know so yeah make it a good time manette says maybe it's just me but i feel like there's this general idea that a piece had to take a long time to be good. Oh, I see that all the time. In fact, I think that's why often people post their stuff online and they'll write figure drawing and colored pencil. I've spent 48 hours on this. And I'm sorry, but I don't care how long <laughs> you spent on it. I'm like, I just want to look at the artwork. And some of my pieces that I don't like are pieces that I slaved over for hours and hours and hours. And there are pieces that I did not spend a lot of time on that I really like. So I don't think it's any measure of quality. What about you, Kat? I agree. I think that's another thing that's frustrating about art is that you can't really plan anything. <laughs> you could just have a 10 minute doodle and that could be honestly your most liked post on Instagram or something like that, or people resonate with that more than say a 10 hour drawing that you did. I mean, take Jordan's character design, for instance, the Afro character, Jordan, you said you just did the night before an assignment was due and everybody resonated with that character versus the other characters you spent hours and days on in comparison. Yeah, it happens. It's just the unfortunate side of art. It's inexplainable. Or unexplainable. I mean, it happens here on YouTube. We have videos that I spent hours and hours and hours editing and shooting and working and they have like 
a thousand views. And then we have the live stream, live stream. We threw it together in 20 minutes, <laughs> did no work, and it's got 10 times the views. I think it's just inevitable that the amount of time has very little on the quality and impact of the work. Bethany is asking, is it important to build a visual library in early on as an illustrator? I find myself drawing more things with less detail than less things with more detail just to build my memory. Kat, what's your take on that? I mean, it's good to have a foundation if you're going to go into illustration, obviously you should know how to draw landscapes, draw buildings, one point, two point perspective, draw people, draw animals, right? So yes, it is good to have a visual library built in early on, but also know that you're just human and you can't draw literally everything from memory. So yes, build that visual memory, build the basics, but then whenever you have to do an illustration, you're always going to have to do additional research for any specifics for that subject matter. But also, Bethany, I don't think people need details as much as they think they do, because I think there is a prevailing assumption that, oh, the more detailed, the better it must be. But that's not always true. Like, Jordan, some of my favorite characters are like a blob in two lines. <laughs> you don't always need details. Yeah, I think there, there was one thing that I learned um, when I was in school for concept art, and my teacher kept drumming into us. Um, sometimes a good drawing doesn't always make a good design. And um, that that took me a long time to understand. But what he was saying was, you know, if it doesn't serve the purpose of what it is you're trying to achieve, then it doesn't make it good. You could spend 30 hours on it versus someone who spends five hours. And it just, it just depends. So, yeah. And again, that's a painful thing, but it happens. <laughs> Anna says, Kat, did you take creative writing to learn the writing craft part of your work? I did take a class or two. So yes, I do have some class experience. I didn't major in it. I didn't focus on it. I just did it a lot. And the more I did it, the more I found certain beats worked, certain flows worked. It's just something you have to bite the bullet and do sometimes. Mary is asking, how do you tackle drawing from life in the wild, so to speak? People move constantly, so I'm not sure how you tackle that in case actual model sessions aren't possible. Well, you have to accept that sometimes you're going to draw a fragment of something and then they're going to get up and move. <laughs> we have a video here where I was in Taiwan traveling and I was drawing in the wild. And I had this tofu vendor that I was drawing. And I literally drew like 30 seconds and then the guy got up and walked away. I'm like, ah, you know, like that's going to happen, but that's fine. That that's what you have to accept. I think if you go in drawing on site thinking, oh, I'm going to make this really polished finished piece. I think that you're going to just always be disappointed because drawing on site is very exciting when you have that like atmosphere of the place that you're absorbing. I think it really matters. But you have to accept that people are going to move. You're going to stop drawings two minutes in. But sometimes I was a guy who was on his phone for an hour at a hotel. I sat and drew him and he was so into his phone that he had no idea I was drawing him. <laughs> well, Clara, you also pointed out something else in class once that every time you draw, you have to 
try to make it so that no matter what point you stop at, it will still feel like a whole drawing. So when you're going to draw something so unexpected as a tofu vendor who might get up and leave at any second, well, think about big shapes first. Draw the big silhouette of this person, draw the big silhouette of a stall, and then narrow in on some details, like draw basic light and shadow, draw some features, right? And then get into more details from then on. So it's all about also parsing your time and energy in a way that is most efficient so that you can sort of expect the unexpected when that person will move. Chaos the Nerd says, as an animator who's making his own short film, I want to balance making my animated short while also making a portfolio for recruiting and making art for myself as well. So how do people find time? Jordan, I think you have some thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> that's tough. Um, I think the first thing is I would see if you could find a way to combine all these things. Like if you're, if you're making your own film, technically you are kind of working for yourself. And if it comes out really, really strongly, then you can show it to other people and other people will use that as, you can use that as like a calling card. So I don't think all those things are mutually exclusive. I just think that um, you have to find a way to put all your love into whatever it is that you're working on. Um, like for example, this this character here that I did was for my thesis project, but it's also the same character that got me hired at DreamWorks when I was working there. So, I mean, you know, you, you can combine stuff. Another thing, Chaos the Nerd, is you don't have to do these things all at the same time. I have taken months where I said, you know what? I have this exhibition coming up. I'm just going to do promotion for this month. I'm not going to make any studio work. Because sometimes it's distracting to try to do all those things. Have you found that, Kat? Trying to do the marketing, my personal work, the work for pay. It's like, oh my God, you feel like somebody's just chopped you up into a million pieces. I agree. And I think it's okay to just do one thing at a time. You don't you don't have to be a multitasker. You don't have to do that. You're just one person for cry for for crying out loud. <laughs> so I was gonna swear there, but my bad. I'm not gonna do it on a stream. <laughs> well, we don't want to get demonetized by YouTube. <laughs> Your dirty mouth. <laughs> Brian is asking, I'm working on my inking i do superheroes like spider-man and batman but i'm having a hard time putting the right shadows so it looks realistic any advice jordan what do you think um so one thing that i saw if you're drawing su uh, superheroes there was this guy he took action figures of those same superheroes he would put a um a lamp next to them and he would use those shadows um shadows are actually pretty consistent for the most part when you think about like if you think about form you understand how that works you can pretty much plan it on your own. So you can study uh, how others design these characters. Um, if you're drawing, since you're doing superheroes, I would look up Phil Barassa. Um, uh, Barassa spelled B-O-U-R-A-S-S-A. -S -S and he's the art director at um, DC Animated Films. Uh, and I think that just by memorizing what he does, you'll get a lot out of that, honestly. Lighting is odd because on one hand, it is fairly straightforward, but there are some nuances to lighting that you have to know to look for. For example, I think your average person can understand, okay, light, shadow, those are different. 
But subtle things like reflected light, they're not always that obvious. And so oftentimes I think about reflected light, it's sort of like a treasure hunt. Like you have to know that it's there and then you have to go looking for it. But if you don't know it's there, you're not going to look for it. So we actually do have a bunch of streams about lighting and how it works that you might check out because it'll just give you a framework for what to be looking for in lighting. C. Cantrell says, Jordan, did you ever see Monty Python and the Holy Grail? <laughs> the killer bunny that decapitates people. <laughs> Tis only a flesh wound. <laughs> it's, I've, I've heard so many memes about it, and it's on my list on Netflix, but I have not actually seen the movie. Wait, have you seen any Monty Python or just not Holy Grail? Um, if I say the truth, you're not going to like it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is scandalous. <laughs> Mary says, as artists, how do you take care of your posture? Do you paint standing up or in an ergonomic chair? What do you use, Kat? I literally just got up and stretched when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this board that is a little bit diagonal. I put papers on it. And so when I draw, I am sitting up right for the most part but right now i'm doing a stream it's very horizontal my neck is sort of like at a right angle when inking like this so i would not normally ink or draw like this this is bad for my posture i would try to level up sit up straight i also stretch every single night that's something i do try to i try to do some upkeep with my body <laughs> well mary another thing to consider it may not be your chair because i know alex rowe has a drafting table that's at a very dramatic tilt and that allows him to work better i guess i have terrible posture i'm either like crashing in front of the tv <laughs> in the evenings like just on a coffee table which is not good i guess i have an ergonomic office chair but i don't think about that as drawing but yeah try a bunch of different things because everybody's so different with their needs. Anna says, really enjoyed your discussion on art world racism. I'd love for you to follow up with discussions on other kinds of diversity like disability, LGBTQ, anti-Semitism, and other issues. Thank you, Anna. And actually, we do have a stream later this month. We're going to talk about sexism in the art world. But thank you for that. I think that those are definitely topics we can consider for the future. Michael says, any suggestion to participate in 2022 art prompts? Well, Michael, we have a monthly art dare every single month. We give you a prompt to work on. And a lot of people work on it together in the Discord. This month is to take a word and visually portray the meaning of the word in your piece. And you can do any media. So if you go to artprof.org, click on Learn and Create, and then go to Art Dares, and you'll find information on that. Crispy Paintbrush says, when do you change the tip of your Apple Pencil? I haven't had to yet, but curious when I should. Jordan, any tips? I've never changed the tip of my Apple Pencil and I've used it for four years. Really? <laughs> um, those, those things are pretty durable. Actually, there was one time I had to change it, but that was because I had to put it through security at the airport and I was rushing to my plane and the Apple Pencil dropped and it busted and it was a long time. Right. So that was the only time I had to replace it, but 
if you're still able, to, if it's still working, if it's still, you know, if it's not scratching up your screen, you can use it pretty much forever. So. And even if you need replacements, they only cost like $20 for like four. Um, so, yeah. Brian is asking, what level skill-wise do you think an artist needs to be at before we can enter the workforce? Any thoughts, Kat? That's really hard to answer because there are different levels for different areas. And also, it's really hard to put a determiner on skill level. Like, I've worked with professional illustrators who could draw landscapes like nobody's business, but could not draw the human figure for the life of them. <laughs> and so there are different skill sets in different aspects and different skill sets for different ways of work as well. Like you're gonna need a different skill set for editorial illustration versus illustration for tech versus illustration for movies and games and stuff like that. So I'm not sure how to answer that question. I guess you have to really find a goal. Like what do you wanna use your art for? Do you wanna go into games? Do you wanna go into comics? Then you should research the skills that you should need and the skill level you should need for those things. I mean, I think a bigger part of it is, are you ready to have business and money mix with your art? That's the harder part for a lot of people because the thing is, people will hire anybody for anything if <laughs> the situation fits. I mean, I had a student at RISD, he was doing commissions when he was 13 because he was really good at the computer. And it's like he was able to fulfill what people wanted and it worked out fine. So I don't know that there is a certain skill level. I mean, if somebody looks at your work and they think you're not good, they just won't hire you. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. A lot of it is just, are you ready to make that change? Because for a lot of people, that's a pretty big significant transition once the money and business starts getting mixed in it's a lot tougher all right everybody i hope you will join kat and jordan they will be in the art prop discord in the post live streams channel right after the stream and you can share your personal artwork that you were creating during the stream and a big thank you to our top patreon supporters we have bill boyer and also Lakshana Bashun, who are two most recent Patreon supporters. And I'm very sad. Kat, do you know why the bar turned blue? Why? Because Patreon went down. It dipped below 4,000 and it just made me really sad. <laughs> so oh. I was like, that's it. This bar can't stay red because it was the first time we had gotten past 4K and then it went down and it made me really sad. So. <laughs> We need your support, everybody. We hope you can support us with a one-time donation or monthly pledge on Patreon because we need it to keep our prof 100% free and accessible. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time. Bye.